0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley, Valley Deep Divers, Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground. Picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media.
1: Mile High hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome to another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And like I just said, Eric, we are now less than a week away from the opening of the 2023 NFL draft, all of our hard work in terms of the scouting reports and stuff like that finally coming to a head. We're going to finally figure out who the Broncos are going to take next Friday, a week from today at number 67, 68 overall, man. Are you getting excited?
2: Yeah, I am. I mean, I've uh, been talking a lot with Chad, getting everything hammered out for the live draft shows and figuring that all out, getting the everything up and ready um, for my own personal board, which I'm hoping to tweet out probably next Tuesday or Wednesday which in that per, in those boards you'll have links to every single scouting report that we have up. All by that time, 412 of them are going to get done, um, either written by me or Lance. Um, so it's a lot of work in that final stretch. Still have a few scouting reports to get out there that we're looking at getting up by the end of by um, Tuesday evening, um, Wednesday morning, and then just getting the scout the board out there and all that, and just having my last basically 10 months of work be finished and then i get a little go on a little vacation i get to go down to uh, go going down to utah then i'm going to be driving over to um colorado and seeing some family seeing our guests from last week going to his wedding getting a nice vacation and then and when i get back i get another little bit of a break and then it's all right back to it starting everything with the draft for next year getting everything ready for the season so I'm, I'm ready for it to be over because I'm ready for the break. I am exhausted.
1: I don't blame you, man. Like you said, 412, um, 412 scouting reports, guys. That's a lot. That's Obviously, there's, what, 257 picks, I believe, in this year's NFL drafts. So we've gone almost twice as many prospects in, in terms of our uh, evaluations that we've got done. And while I want to take a little bit of credit for that, I'm super proud of the work that Eric has done here and everything that he's been able to accomplish, especially this season. Uh, I've done 98 of them. Well, by the time that I'm done getting them all sent in, I'll, I'll have done 98, which is twice as many as I usually do. Uh, I've gotten 239 finalized uh, reports done for my own work that I just haven't gotten into yet. Um, and hopefully I'm going to be releasing my big board as well, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not going to be nearly as in-depth as Eric's is, but I'll have a, a big board and position rankings and I'll tweet that out for everybody as well. So looking forward to be able to, t- to do that and just have some fun with everybody and just continue this conversation going and really get into the, the meat and bones of the NFL draft and really looking forward to the to the live shows this here I, I believe we're trying to work out the round table mock draft as well still kind of getting some information gathered for that but today guys great show plan for you guys we're gonna have a, a, a mailbag in here as well guys so send in your players send in any uh, any prospects you want the Broncos maybe take a look at uh we'll give you all of our opinions on on all those guys Eric's really done a whole lot of work here but today uh the big meat of the show is going to be our top five fits and our worst five fits for the Broncos throughout the draft. It doesn't matter. Um, I've I've got wide receiver, running back, um, safety, edge defender, um, offensive lineman Eric's got a couple of different guys. So we're going to go a bad fit and a good fit fit for each one of those guys. Before we get into it, want to say hello to everybody. Got Michael Ronquillo jumping in with his support early as always. Thanks, Mike, for joining us, man. We appreciate you, dude. Uh, good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dub Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham. Uh, no Scott tonight, guys. Scott has baseballs, uh, baseball games with his kids this week uh, tonight and tomorrow, I do believe. So he's not going to be around for us tonight so just bear with us um we've got David McElrath uh Bobby Robbie's in the house Dylan Von Ars Kevin Gray Paul what's going on guys thank you all for joining us we really appreciate your guys' support and for joining us here on a wonderful Friday night now Eric um let's just jump right into this thing uh I'm gonna have you go first um I want your the best fit I what do you have interior offensive lineman I believe is one of them that you have So let's go into uh, your best fit at the interior offensive lineman for the Broncos.
2: Well, first, I just want to say, Paul is correct. Worst fits, anyone from Iowa? Yes. Um, Just anyone. Whether they play football or not, anyone from Iowa? No, I mean, uh, there's actually a couple good fits from Iowa this Mm -hmm. year, um, obviously, but we got to keep the running gag going about Nick Kendall and his love for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, But the best Hawkeye remains the Hawkeye from MASH. Anyways, my my best bet on the interior offensive line is Joe Tipman, and the question there is a serious question: Will he be there for the Broncos at sixty seven? It is impossible to predict with how people fall. The I, I think the fact that he's a six foot six center who doesn't have a lot of experience working at guard is going to work against him. I also think that the fact that there is some sh- uh, shoulder surgeries in his history. Um, which is a concern for offensive linemen. Not all injuries are equal for different positions, but shoulders that and knees, those are pretty bad ones for uh, offensive linemen. But I mean, he checks all the boxes, he's in he's an excellent fit for the Broncos. He's an immediate immediate upgrade over the set over Lloyd Cushionberry. Come in and can start right away. Obviously, there is the issue of him being six foot six and Russell Wilson being three foot four and having seen over that and trying to work the middle of the uh, of the field. Um obviously russell wilson's not actually three foot four inches just a joke there um but it's a so so that is a bit problematic but the way the broncos have built this offense and have made it quite clear they want to run the ball mm-hmm. and joe Titman is a great run blocker mm-hmm. i mean and you won't have the concerns you have with lloyd cushionary cushionberry when it comes to running the ball from him so i think that he, he's the best fit if he happens to be there I don't think it's likely he falls there, but if he does, it would be hard for me to not stand up on the table and, and stomp my feet and scream for him to be the pick. As for my worst fit on it, Jovan Gwynn. He, he's a guy who's going to be moving from guard to center. He's way undersized. He I think he came in at just about six foot one, barely. He doesn't have great length, around 30-inch arms there, which mm. isn't great for his center position. He's smart and tough, and he can fit the scheme well. But it's not a guy who's going to come in, be a starter right away. It's not a guy who's going to come in and really compete for the starting position even. He's not going to be serious competition for the Cushionberry for it. He's got a lot of work to do. Um, he's praised for his intangibles and everything, which is great. But for me, if I'm drafting somebody on tier offensive line, I am wanting somebody who can come in, start right away, or compete right away for the starting center job.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I haven't seen jo- uh, Jovan Wynn yet, so I'm not going to comment on him, but I have some stuff on Titman. Like you said, he had uh, double, double shoulder surgery, uh, uh, labrum surgeries on both of his shoulders, um, like you said, six foot six, so natural leverage issues are a big concern with him. But for a guy that big six, six, three, fifteen, I think is what he is somewhere around in there. Uh, he moves really well. Like he's a really good puller. He plays with a lot of power. He's a good pass protector. There's some issues with his hand placement at times that I see. And I heard some speculation. This was from Trevor Sikama, um on, on his podcast a, a few days ago, talking about how when he gets out and he extends his arms, he gets his arms on the outside. So he's wondering if maybe it's some of that shoulder issues that he's having. And maybe it hurts to have that to have that good proper hand placement because it hurts on that shoulder. So that's a concern to me. But in terms of everything else you said, and like I said, he's great. Mover, he's super powerful, he's a great run blocker. He'd be an immediate upgrade over Lloyd Cushionberry. If he's there at 67 or 68, the Broncos definitely need to be taking a look at him.
2: Um, I'm gonna go yeah, over some, go ahead real go quick. Ahead. Um, with the whole shoulder thing, that is something that I noted for him. I'm actually working on his scouting report along with some of the other in top interior offensive linemen right now, hoping to get that up published tonight. Um, it'll be about 11 p.m. midnight mountain standard time. Um, but that is something that I saw. And I don't, I, I don't want to say it's because of the injury because, honestly, we just don't know. That is, as you said, purely speculation on it. And there are times, especially when he's getting outside and pulling, that he will bring it up and he will drive, get under the uh, the breastplate of defenders and drive them back with his, his arms tight inside. Mm-hmm. But the issue with it being on the outside is that he struggles to get defenders out of his chest when they get in there. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing to the outside of the frame, You're open. You're keeping your chest open, and from right away. So, if he had the recovery ability um, to get defenders off his chest, I wouldn't be as concerned about it. But because he doesn't, that is a bit of a concern there.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely correct there. And like I said, six foot six, you have natural leverage issues, and especially because he does kind of pop his shoulders up just a little bit as well. So there's there's some pad pad uh, pad height concerns there just being a bigger guy for the center position and like you said you've got a, a two foot tall quarterback that weighs 205 pounds and has trouble seeing over taller offensive linemen it's just a it's an unnatural fit but I still think it is a very good one uh Ryan Powell jumping in here really fast before we flip over to my side uh he says good evening Lance Eric Scott in Broncos country Eric and Lance thanks for all you do for the draft so Eric which name should we be looking at for in uh UDFA
2: um I'm only going to give a couple guys here um, going off of my board that I have in the works right now. Um, just because, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Like, And then there's always the unpredictability of the draft. Um, let's see. Somebody that I really like. There's actually a question about him. In the chat as well from Phil McLaughlin asking, he says, good evening, Lance and Eric. What do you guys think about Matt Landers from Arkansas? He's one of those guys. If you don't, if you still want receiver depth, I would look at Matt Landers as an undrafted free agent. I really like his game and what he can bring to the offense. Of course, he, I don't think he'll be a large contributor right away. Um, he's a guy that I think come in and compete for, you know, that last spot on the roster at the receiver position, but mostly a practice squad spot. But if he can develop, I think he can find himself as a good depth receiver as that fourth or fifth guy on the rotation who can contribute on special teams as well. So he's one of the guys I would look at. There's a couple offensive linemen that I would look at that I, um, just give me a second so I can find my play, um where I'm at on my board. There's a guy out of Hawaii that I didn't get around to just until last week, actually, um, Il Manning. Dude, fits the scheme extremely well. Powerful, solid movement skills. A lot of technical issues, gonna be older as a rookie. Um, and just I think he's got I think he's got a ceiling to where he could end up a starter in the NFL and a pretty solid one. I think his best spot is a reserve offensive lineman, um, versatile guy who can play um either guard spot, but it's just a lot of development to get there. There is a lot of mechanical and a lot of technical issues with him that you gotta get around to developing and improving on him. A guy who I think was gonna get drafted, another receiver. Um, is Michael Jefferson out of Louisiana on the 13th, just over a week ago. He was in a serious car accident, which caused most, mul- which ne- he needed multiple surgeries for. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that I would look at based off his tape, at least bringing him in, seeing what he could do because he was getting fourth, fifth round chatter before the car accident. Now it's mm-hmm. a thing of, he might miss a good portion of his rookie season as he's recovering from these surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so was, those, those are a few actually- guys. And, I, and there's quite a few others as well. I mean, not a great class but there are some positions that have excellent depth and some guys are going to fall.
1: Yeah. Um that that guy you were just talking about his name's spacing my brain right now. Uh he was actually struck by a vehicle. He was hit by a drunk driver on Easter Sunday, I believe is what it was. So, um thoughts and prayers go out to him. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery and he can come back and be and continue his his play um and hopefully live out his dream as an NFL player. Uh quickly Eric before we get into this, I want one Quick question for myself here. How about Zazavian Valade, the, um He's a running back, formerly from Wyoming, uh, coming out of Arizona State. A decent receiver, from what I remember, at Wyoming. I didn't get a chance to watch him this last season. Runs with some good power. Upright pad level, though. Um, decent speed. Is he a guy that you would look at as an undrafted free agent for Denver? No,
2: yeah, he is. I mean, he's a guy that I, I've liked him. Like, every time I went back and looked at him, I liked him last year because there, before he decided to transfer, there was conversation. He would decide to enter the draft early. Um I, I I've liked his game. I don't think he's got draftable talent, but I could see it of like, oh, we're in the seventh round. We want a guy that has an undrafted free agent, but he's probably gonna get a lot of talk. We'll just use a seventh round pick on him. That's what a lot of seventh round picks are. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's one of those guys for me. He's a priority free agent. I mean, as you said, I mean he's got decent enough, he's got good enough speed, good enough explosive ability, can work it, does enough as a receiver if i remember correctly his fumble rate isn't is actually pretty good um Mm -hmm. but i can't remember for sure on that it's been a while um his scouting report was like the first one actually i got up at the end of february um so yeah i I like him and i think yeah he's uh worth that here um real quick before we get to your you know best fit and worst fit todd ossendorf comes in asking about ford wheaton looks like a younger faster sutton um completely different play style Mm -hmm. um Bryce uh Bryce Ford Wheaton is Kevin White. He's a big fast receiver that can challenge vertically, but things on underneath, the position, the possession aspect of his game isn't there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's some issues with drops, his route running is not clean. He is, right now, he is just a vertical threat that just has to develop every single aspect of his route running and just completely be completely built up as a receiver. However, he's a height wheat speed guy, as you mentioned here, six foot four, two hundred twenty-one under sub four, 440. He's got the tools and traits to work with. And he's got the things that you can't teach. You can teach him to be a receiver. You can't teach him to be six foot four, 221 with a sub four, 440.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and the, something that really helps a lot with Bryce Ford Wheaton is his contested catch ability. And I think that's where Todd was going with, uh, with his Cortland Sutton comparison there. Cause Bryce Ford Wheaton, if I remember correctly, caught like 14 out of 18 contested catch scenarios um in jump ball situations this year at, at west virginia so that's that's a big big aspect of him like you said 6'3 220 228 or whatever the hell it was four three eight forty, 40 um height weight speed guys that's a that's a great um a great prospect profile at least so he has he the caught, ability to be there
2: he caught six of 14 this year
1: really okay so then i I'm, I'm, must be thinking of someone different than because I, I heard that on a faster on a today and I, I swear it was Bryce for Wheaton so I do apologize for that guys uh, Zebulon jumping in here really fast saying oh, uh, have you guys heard about the new IQ test
2: going sorry right. it was 18 to 34 this year sorry I had the wrong season pulled up on his stats in his career he is 33 of 67
1: so about 50 that's not terrible yeah, that, that's, that's, not, that's not terrible Um, um anyway Zebulon jumping in here asking about this new I, the IQ test the, the, the S2 test
2: the cognitive test is going heard
1: anything
2: about it. the the NFL's been using it since 2016 um so it's still relatively new um it's better than the wonderlick i i mean until we have a few more years of data on it guys getting towards the end of their career um who have seen the field consistently once we start getting data on that i'm not sure how much to wait. i put in it um, Michael Ronquillo comes in talking about that. Says so quarterback C.J. Stroud had 18% S2 test score. According to one guy, according to Brady Quinn, and the reason why I mention that, I mean, it's this is an important factor. Brady Quinn has been busted exaggerating stuff quite a bit, and the people who run the S2, who came up with the test and everything, have come out and denied his thing, his report, and said that he scored significantly better than that 18%. And the 18% is completely false. Mm-hmm. Um, The guys at the S two with the S two thing, they don't have any ties to teams. They have no reason to lie. Brady Quinn, he's got connections with teams. He could be using being used for multiple reasons. I I I don't put a lot of stock into the report that he only scored eighteen percent. It doesn't mesh with anything I've heard for about being said from him about the coaching staff or anything. Um, Not saying he's a great processor of the field. That is one of the concerns with him. But eighteen percent, like. I question I question the authenticity of that through an, from an anonymous source that Brady Quinn used. Um, maybe it's true, maybe it's not could mean everything could mean nothing. So to me it's not that big of a deal about it. but yeah, the s2, s2 test, it's cognitive processing. Um, one of the one of the questions on one of the things on it is you have six cups on there you know it's that old game where you have to follow the ball, follow the right ball. And figure out where it ends up you know follow the cups whatever that game is called Mm -hmm. there's like six cups and you have to follow it like that's that's part of it um it's sorting through information and everything like that Mm -hmm. it's a it's a cool test and the early results of it are good um it is so far it is a 28.7 i think is what it is um predictive ability when it comes to career passer rating which i have a bit of a Flaw or issue with that, mm-hmm. um, but it's still new. And one thing too on this is NFL teams every single year are coming up with new analytics, coming up with new tests, new just a bunch of new things to help them try to get an edge on scouting prospects. A lot of them don't last for more than a couple years, if that. Mm-hmm. We'll see the S two test. The fact that it's been around since 2016 already that's a positive sign for it but it mm. is just one element of the whole scouting process of it
1: yeah i'm not familiar with it so i'm not going to comment on that but i do know that there's a lot of people really um discrediting what brady quinn was saying he also came out with another report about cj stroud not attending the the manning passing academy which has like also he, like, been now. With, It's yeah exactly like consider the source here guys and i I've never really been a huge fan of Brady Quinn. So take that with a grain of salt. But at the same time, like if you're going to go out there and be debunked over and over and over again, you've lost pretty much all credibility to me.
2: Real, so real quick, this is a funny comment, Aiky. but just to be clear here, the S2 test, it's not an IQ test. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a thing of that. He would struggle to spell his name. Still funny. Um, that's what the wonder was. Wow. The wonder look was an IQ test. That was extremely flawed players, mm-hmm. coaches, NFL teams absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. um it was a thing that came up years ago and just has been hated ever since And they've done away with that yeah. um this is about processing and cognitive re- cognitive cognitive re- reasoning and things like that and as todd arsendorf says uh even though we've been talking about it a lot i don't really don't care about Shad one that we have no shot at him regardless that is true i mean he is projected to be a top 10 pick at the very least mm-hmm. um the only reason why he's worth talking about, and this is what I said in my scouting report on him, which just went up. There's a good chance he ends up in as a divisional opponent. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are looking at the quarterbacks. They've been linked heavily with CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. So it's still worth looking at them because maybe we'll end up having to face them in, in this next season a couple times. Yep. So, yeah. um, but you're right. As for the Broncos, as for the, what well, the conversation tonight CJ Stroud. It's not a big part on it. So, well, it's with that. What is? I don't remember. I don't know what your first position is that you're going to here, but who's your best and worst fit at? Worst fit at whatever position it is you're going to. Well, I'm going to grab
1: this comment. We were talking about wide receivers just a second, so it made it kind of a natural transition before we went into the S2 testing, but Todd Osendorf also comes back and he says, uh, Marvin Mims, wide receiver from Oklahoma for me, please. That right there is my best fit for this Broncos team at the wide receiver position in this draft class. The reason why I say that is because they are looking for speed, reliable speed, and Marvin Mims can haul ass. Dude, like this dude is a super, super good athlete. He's a quality route runner, and in fact, if you ask the guy, which, I mean, why wouldn't he say this? He claims that he's the best route runner in this draft class, which is far and away from anywhere close to the truth. Jackson Smith and Jigba does exist, people. But Marvin Mims to me, like I said, he, he's more reliable than KJ Hamler. Um, he really shrunk down his drop rate from his uh from his sophomore to his junior season, and he uh like I said, he's just an elite athlete at the position in terms of taking the top off of the off of the defense. He would immediately be an upgrade over K.J. Hamler because you have that reliability with him. So to me, that's the best fit for the Broncos at the wide receiver position. And in terms of a guy that is not a great fit, uh, A.T. Perry, the wide receiver from uh, Wake Forest, uh, bigger, taller, lankier guy, good length and stuff like that. But the Broncos already have a couple of guys like A.T. Perry. And not to say that he's a possession receiver. I think he's more closer to Bryce Ford Wheaton than he is Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick. But they don't need another big guy. They don't need another guy that's just that, you know, that height, weight, speed, go down, deep threat guy. They need a guy that can work over the middle of the field runs better routes than AT Perry. It has a lot better athleticism than AT Perry and just brings that dynamic speed threat. And you could use uh, Marvin Mims as a gadget player too. He has several carries uh, to his name in terms of jet sweeps. They threw him the ball a lot on screenplays and stuff like that. He's just a more versatile wide receiver. And to me, that's the best fit.
2: Yeah. I mean, I looked at the wide receivers and there are about 6 or 7 that I can make the argument for as being the best fit at wide receiver mm-hmm. and there's like 15 I can make the argument for being the worst fit. Mm-hmm. Marvin Mims is one of the guys that I would put, make the argument for as the best fit. AT Perry is one of the guys that I'd make the argument that's one of the worst fits. Um Jaden Reed, he's another one that's a really good fit for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I think uh Puka nakua like he's not a great fit, but he's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um there's been chatter that Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, he could fall cause he's a one trick pony. If he did fall, he'd be a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant DeBose, I think he, he's a great fit for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jonathan Mingo. Like there, there's quite a few guys, but I mean, then we look at it, you have, uh, Kayshawn boot or Boote, however you say his name. Butte, the LSU yeah. guy. He's not a great fit. No. Um, uh, Andre Iosavich, I don't think he's a great fit. Elijah Higgins, the guy out of Stanford, he's not a great fit. Um, Cedric Tillman, another guy who they think is fall, well, I think he's a fine fit, not a great one. Um, Jalen Wayne, the nephew, of, I believe, of Reggie Wayne, he's not a great fit. So there, there's a lot of guys that they there's great fits. There's bad fits at the wide receiver position. So it was just thing of there was a lot of play, different ways that I could go. Now, I know we've talked about this quite a bit here. Who do you like better between Tank Bisbee and Israel Abanaconda? Thank you Keith Brugman for the the question here.
1: Thanks Keith, we appreciate you man and it was a pleasure to join you and Albert on the on your guys' podcast the uh, Denver Broncos roundup a couple weeks ago. So thanks for joining us again man. Huh, oh, man, this is a hard one. Um probably Abanaconda. Uh I I I think he's a better fit for what the Broncos want to do because he's a really good receiver. Not to say that Tank Bigsby is a bad receiver, but he's not as good of a receiver as Abanacanda is. And I think Abanacanda has that home run speed that Bigsby just doesn't have. Bigsby's a little bit bigger of a player, he's more powerful. But with the lightning and, and thunder dynamic that you want to have, just that change of pace back, with Javante Williams, if he comes back healthy, Abanacanda is the better fit for what the Broncos need, in my opinion, at least.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that Abanacanda, he's got. He's got more of that home run ability with it. I don't think he's a consistent home run threat, but he brings more of that explosive playability. He brings more as a receiver. Um, I do like take Bisbee quite a bit as well, but he makes the sense if they don't want that, that explosive ability from the running back position and they just want power on top of power on top of power. Tink think is a good guy. Like there's decent burst to go get chunks of yards. Ball He doesn't put the ball on the ground a lot. Neither does a He just hasn't shown enough as a receiver consistently, um, so I, I, th- I wouldn't mind either one of them, but it just depends right. on what are you more looking for? And what, like you said, I think a Bonaconda is a better fit for what they're doing. Yep. Um, real quick, just grabbing this from Ryan Powell. He says, Eric, do you have, did you get a chance to look at Hunter Lupecki? I think is how you say his name, but I'm completely, uh, maybe completely off on that. He's a, can play high, halfback fullback. He could back up. Uh, he could be a backup on fullback and special teams, longer season injuries. If we move on with our new fullback from the chiefs next year. Um, yes, I actually have a scouting report on him and of the fullbacks on this, he's the one I like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is, you have a way to immediately see him on the field working as a special teams player and next year, the Bolton, right? That's the fullback they brought in.
1: Uh, dang it. What's his name? I th- I think that's right. Let me look it up really fast. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. But I, I think that he's a good fit of a guy who can back him up this year. If you really want to go with the power aspect of it. Then you can find ways to use him this season as rookie. I like him, but he's a guy that I wouldn't use a draft pick on him. I mean, it's a fullback. I wouldn't draft the fullback with any pick. Uh, Michael Ruancula says, Yaya Diaby from Louisville, no matter what. I can be with you on this one, Michael. I really like Yaya Diaby. Mm-hmm. And then last question. I, I do. Last you, question go right ahead. I'm, I'm just, just going to uh, grab. It says, Ryan Powell, is there any from Ryan Powell? Is there any big wide receiver that blocks right? We could change him to tight end? No. Um, the big one that comes to mind is Elijah Higgins out of Stanford and he mm-hmm. blocks about as well as who's a good comparison here. Um, he blocks about as well as well. He doesn't block well. Well, I'll just say that. Uh, Mike, Michael, <laughs> Michael Burns, his name. Um, yeah. But, Thanks, yeah. Elijah Higgins is probably the best bet for it. And I, I don't like his blocking whatsoever Um, He's he doesn't play physical. He he plays soft. He absolutely he consistently allowed himself get bullied at the senior bowl, and there's a guy who he's projected to be a nickel corner only in the NFL, and he absolutely just bullied Elijah Higgins consistently in one on one reps. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not sold on Elijah Higgins. He's the best one that comes to mind that fits that mold.
1: Well, if you're if you're looking for a, a guy that has athleticism that can be a good blocking tight end that you can take later in the draft, why don't you just take Payne Durham from Purdue? Like, there's a good blocker. He's a decent athlete. He's a really good receiver. Like, just take the tight end. Like, go go that route instead. Uh, I want to go back to Yaya Diaby really fast because uh, we've got Todd Osendorf jumping in here with uh, my guy Otamimu Adibaware. Um, and he says, nice prospect, great size and speed ratio, you know, 6'2", 282, 449 on a 40-yard dash, broke a combine record for a guy with that particular size. Um, between the two, though, Eric, I actually like Yaya Diaby a little bit better as a football player because he's actually a football player. Like – out of to me is a guy like he lacks urgency out on the field and it just seems like he doesn't really get the game right now he relies on that athleticism but he doesn't use it the way he need to yaya diaby he may not be quite the athlete he's a damn good athlete don't get me wrong but i like him better for the broncos because he at least has some technical refinement to his game
0: what do you think um
2: man? yeah there are two different players at two different positions um Bawari, he's not an edge in the NFL. He's got he's no. a guy who's going to be moved around. He's going to be more interior. Yaya Diaby, he's not a true edge in the NFL either. He's going to be used as a hybrid guy mm-hmm. in co- between coverage and off the edge. Um two extremely different styles of guys and it just depends on what you're looking for. I think both of them would fit extremely well with the Broncos. But again, it just comes down to what are you looking at for? I, I like I like Adebowari. Um I don't fully agree with the lack of urgency aspect to his game. Um I think that it's just a matter of he's just oh, can be overly patient at times okay. because earlier on in his career, um, when he was getting out there on the field, he was over aggressive and would open up holes for bigger plays or over pursue plays on the outside and just would make mistakes like that. And so he kind of developed patience and he's just kind of overcorrected a little bit. Um, so I I, I like uh, I like him and. Ossendorf asks, or Mike asks, that's where he goes to college. Um, Adible came out of Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like him. And then Yaya Diaby, I mean, again, depends on what you're looking for. Um, he can be this kind of hybrid guy. Um, I don't want to say zaven Collins-esque, who the Cardinals moved as an to purely off-ball linebacker, but more of a like a Leonard Floyd type. Mm-hmm. A guy yeah, that you're yeah. playing at edge and can drop into coverage, right? Um, is kind of, is more of what he's looking for. So two different players, um, that honestly shouldn't be super compared to each other. Um, just for that reason, I mean, right. like it, it's, it's similar to comparing a cornerback to a safety with what they do in coverage, right? What um, what they bring is going to be completely um, different here. Um, and then one last question, and then I'll get to. Uh, my next best fit in here what what about the hype with rice is he worth it would it be a slot for the broncos Rashi rice was the best senior receiver coming out of out of the season the issue is, is he's completely faltered every single step of the way of the draft process he struggled at the senior bowl he separation wasn't a big part of his game but it was like there was absolutely nothing there at the senior bowl for him mm-hmm. um He's more of a contested catch guy that can use his size and his catch radius to get the ball. But like Elijah Higgins, he just allowed himself to get bullied and didn't really fight through coverage a lot at the senior bowl. Right. Um, I don't think he's a slot. Um, I think he's more. I, th- I think he's a boundary uh, receiver. One thing I do like about him, dude's feisty as a blocker. He will bring in every mm-hmm. single rep as a blocker. There is no doubt about that. There's no doubt about his physicality. I like that to his game, but he is falling a little bit. Um, if I'm looking for a receiver for the Broncos, again, it's what they seem to be looking for as well. They want explosive playmaking ability. And mm-hmm. that is Rice. No, it, it's not. And let me pull up his measurables really fast. Because if
1: I remember correctly, he was like listed at Southern Methodist as like 6'2", 215 and he measured in way smaller than that at the combine if i if i remember correctly it was like 6 foot 205 yeah 6 foot 200 is what he's listed at uh, coming out of the combine so for a guy that likes to play with size he doesn't have size like he's not a bigger receiver and 6 foot 200 is plenty fine you know but he plays like he's 64 215 Like he plays like a bigger receiver than he actually is. And he just doesn't have that ability and it's not consistent enough on his tape. You would like to see a little bit more explosiveness out of his game, but he just doesn't have that either. So I am with you, Eric. I I think he does bring that dog mentality as a blocker. And I think he's fine in contested to catch situations. But when you're at that small at that, it's going into the NFL level and trying to play with that kind of physicality. That's a, not really a red flag to me, but it's concerning. So to me, I'd rather go with a guy like like Marvin Mims, like I said, uh, that is a true slot receiver, that does have that explosive playmaking vers- the uh, ability, the versatility to put the ball in his hands and take it to the house from pretty much anywhere. I like Rice as a prospect, but it's just there's a disconnect somewhere with there. And uh, the, like he was touted as a top 20 player in this class coming into the season. And now we're talking about him being potentially available on day three. So it, things are starting I don't to know. even out a little bit.
2: I don't know that anyone correct. that was typing Rice as a top 20 player in this draft.
1: Oh, dude, it was I heard all top 50.
2: over
1: the place. I heard Boy, top 50,
2: Um, but never, never top 20. Like, it was always a thing of he might be the second or third best receiver in it. At one point, I know I had him before the Senior Bowl because I liked his tape, and I thought that I was expecting to be taller, and I was expecting him to show better, and I was projecting a little bit. I had him as a top 30 pick in my top receiver, um, but never top 20 like I, and I, I i honestly i don't know anybody that had him in a top 20. um going on to my uh next best of the worst fit we're sticking in the trenches but flipping the side of the ball to the interior defensive line this is something that i think is a big need for the broncos i don't like their depth um i think Uwazurike still needs another year of seasoning and development before he could potentially reach his potential um i like the pick but He was a guy who was more of an edge that has to transition inside. And there are still issues against the run game, though he showed improvement. And Matt Henningsen, I absolutely loved his game, but he's very limited as a player. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing to replace Deshaun Williams at the moment? Right now, it's looking like they're going with DJ Jones, Mike Purcell, and Zach Allen as their starting defensive line. And man, you are missing a lot of power there as a pass rush against a pass. I like Keanu Benton. He's my best fit. He's got the versatility you like. He can play it. He can play. He's he's a bigger version of DJ Jones. Mm -hmm. He's got more pass rush potential than DJ Jones. He's got more size than DJ Jones. And the lack of length of DJ Jones does hurt him as a pass rusher. Um, And, man, he's a guy who you can step in there right away as a starter, replacing Deshaun Williams, and be more than fine with the results about it. He's a great fit. Again, can move along the offensive line, brings enough of a pass rush there to help balance out the interior pressure with the edge pressure, working opposite Zach Allen, working op- working with the outside edge rushers without losing anything against the run. Now, my worst fit, Mozzie Smith. This is a pure nose tackle. It doesn't have much as a, as a pass rusher. Doesn't have a lot of experience there. Still having to pick up a lot of stuff. His technique's really lagging behind maybe if you're moving on from Mike Purcell, Mozzie Smith wouldn't be terrible. But it's a thing of, you got to make your decision here. Are you going Mike Purcell, the veteran guy, or are you going with Mozzie Smith? Uh, with As a third round pick, too. I'm, I don't think he'll mm-hmm. be there in the fourth round. Um, so that part of it goes into me as well. It's just the value. It's not there for me in, in the third round with Smith, even if you do get rid of Mike Purcell. So that, that's why Mozzie Smith is my uh, worst fit there along the defensive line. I
1: actually don't disagree with that because like you said, pure nose tackle, freak of an athlete, absolute freak of an athlete, but he doesn't use it like he's a great run defender, but he doesn't have very much pass rush potential, even though he's a great athlete with great length. Like there's there's again a a disconnect with Mozzie Smith. I'm also not sure he's going to make it to the third round buzz is right now he's like potentially a tail end of the first round guy early second round guy. I don't like I don't like the fit I also did, though, just get done writing up Keanu Benton scouting report. I'm sending that to Eric tonight. Hopefully that will be up here tonight as well, maybe a little bit after midnight or something like that. So make sure you guys keep your eyes out looking for that. Um. We got Gary Palmer jumping in here with a $20 super chat off the top rope. Thank you, Gary, for your donation, man. We definitely appreciate that and love your support, man, as always. Saying, hey, Lance and Eric, just just some support, guys. Good show. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you, Gary. We definitely appreciate you on that. I'm going to stay on the same side of the football here. And actually, in this the same level of the defense here, I'm going to go to the edge defenders. Um, the Broncos, we all know, have a lot of speed guys. Um, there's Randy Gregory's a speed rusher. Baron Brown is a speed rusher. Nick Benito is a speed rusher. Jonathan Cooper is a speed rusher. None of them have ass that can play that seven technique in the running game. We've talked about it multiple different times. We talked about this guy that I like as probably the best fit for the Broncos and Felix Andradeke Uzama, the uh, edge defender from Kansas State. He's long. He's powerful. He plays with a good base. He's a really good run defender. Uh, very productive as a pass rusher. Had 13 and a half sacks this last season. Um, I, I like the way that he plays the game. I think there's some versatility, too. He can play that five technique if you want him to. can play outside to the seven. I think he can also play inside as a three tech if you want to in the sap, uh, in like a sub package, like a NASCAR package, and kind of help penetrate the interior of the pocket. I really like the fit for the Broncos there. Felix Anadike Azama at 67 would be a great fit for me. And a guy that I like as a player, and I, I really wish that if he went undrafted, the Broncos would get an opportunity to take a look at him. I don't think he's going to make it past about the sixth round. This is Eku Leota, a guy that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, the edge defender from Auburn. The reason why he's not a great fit is because he's a speed rusher. He's not very good in the running game, and the Broncos have a lot of those guys already, like I just mentioned. I think there's some development that you can get with him. Uh, I believe he came off of an injury injury. Um, had a torn pectoral muscle coming out of Auburn this last season. So there's uh, injury concerns there as well, which is causing him to fall a little bit. But I think that he has, he's shown the ability to keep his outside hand free and play with good leverage in the running game. So I think you can kind of develop him there. But as of right now, the injury concerns, the fact that he's limited to a speed pass rusher only right now just makes him a bad fit for me.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with those. Um, I also have edge and I'll just go ahead and go through that real quickly. And I was between Felix and my guy for it. And I'm glad I went with Zach Harrison instead. Um, I think one of those two guys, like I like Zach Harrison a little bit more. I think there is a lot more tools to work with when working as a pass rusher. Um, And I think that he is a little bit more consistent as a run defender than Felix is. But I mean, either way, you can't go wrong. They both can kind of do the same thing there um, for you. Um, Todd Osseldorf says Byron Young or Zach Harrison. Um, I like Byron Young, the Tennessee edge rusher, not to be confused with Byron Young, the Alabama interior defensive lineman. Uh, I like him. I don't love him. And I think what he brings to the table is much of the same of what the Broncos already have. Uh, my bad fit at edge, Isaiah Foskey. Talk about a guy who hasn't lived up to lived up to the hype. I mean, the dude is so stiff in the hips. He's got to be a straight up guy, but he doesn't have the power to consistently be a straight up guy. So, I mean, it just—it's a questionable fit. I hate—I I don't want to speak certainty here. Obviously, Isaiah Foskey can end up being an excellent edge defender in the NFL. I don't see it. He is a guy that when I watch, when I watched him at the Senior Bowl, when I watched him over my, you know, my reevaluations that I period of that I had in March, um, he was a guy that I looked at and I'm like. Man, he's he's going to hang around because of the pedigree, mm-hmm. but he's essentially going to be out of the NFL in three or four years, like any, every time I watched him. So something like the tight hips, like there's not that much there in his arsenal. He can struggle at the point of attack at times. Like it's just so many concerns with him. Now cleaning up a little bit out of the chat. Well, we have a dragon just just
1: quickly on on Foskey. you said that you had Felix Anandiki-Azama as one of your good fits and you're glad you went in another direction uh, with Zach Harrison as your good fit my other bad fit was Isaiah fosky I'm glad I went with that leota because he was the one that was like uh, man I'm just I'm not with it dude speed to power conversion with the guy that's like 240 pounds and he's got good length he's like you said he's got the pedigrees the all-time sack leader at Notre Dame but like it, it, he's super stiff he doesn't have a, a whole pass rush arsenal his 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 whole arsenal is literally a long arm and leverage. Like that's it. He doesn't have bend, he doesn't have any swim or spins or anything like that. So I'm I'm with you on that. Bad fit.
2: Go ahead. Well, watching watching him do the drills at the combine where oh, they I had know. a spin move was well, hilarious. It was the it was one of the best comedies of this year um behind Broncos football. Um, anyways, Icky uh, Dragon uh, comes in. Tight end Darnell Washington from Georgia is a freak. He is yes. like absolute freak. Um, Jordan Battle, is he a good fit? He's a fine one um i I wouldn't you know go out there and pound the table for him um except i might because this safety class is kind of bad um had to change my language there before i said something i'm not supposed to (laughs) benjamin flores howdy gentlemen thank god it's friday sean payton is one long-winded dude and great at saying a whole lot of nothing can't imagine him him and wilson chopping up talking in circles um yeah to be an NFL head coach you have to say a whole lot without saying nothing it's mm-hmm. one of the qualifications you have mm-hmm. um you have you have to be able to do it um every coach does it i, I mean it's a thing of like you want to say things to get people to talk about and keep fans coming in and watching and paying attention without giving away anything that you want to do um it's a lot of keeping things hidden from other teams a lot of secrets and stuff like that it's it's NFL coaching it's being a general manager it's anything in the NFL if you want to work in the NFL you got to be great at saying a whole lot of nothing while you're saying a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Proud Osendorf, Darnell Wright has a chance to fall to us at 67. Anchor the D line as our nose tackle. Um, Are you talking about moving him from tackle or guard from the offensive line to the defensive line? Um, because I'm not doing that. Not at his size. Like I'm going to sit there and if I'm running a power gap co- scheme, I'm plugging him in a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are character stuff coming up about him um, that I could see him fall and everything. Um. But I still don't think he falls to the Broncos, personally, um, even with the character yeah. stuff around it. Um, Tossador Othendorf says, real quick, what round does Mazzy Smith go? because the Broncos try and get the nose tackle they lack? They don't like a nose tackle. They have Mike Purcell. And as I said, I think Mazzy Smith goes somewhere in the mid-late third round. So a little early for that third-round pick, not there for that fourth-round pick. And he doesn't ish, interest me a whole lot for the Broncos, personally.
1: I'm surprised that you just said that the, they they don't need a nose tackle because they have Mike Purcell. I'm so proud of you right now. I really
2: am. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, until he's, until he's off the roster, right, right, right. Like, I, I
1: know, I know, I know.
2: If they were if they were gonna cut him, they would have done it already. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a thing of injuries last year before he was able to keep himself cemented on the roster with the preseason or with the training camp and preseason he had. So I mean, like, mm. he's there. Like, he's their nose tackle.
1: Yeah. How about Siaki Ika from Baylor? Todd jumping in here again. Um, I'm going to start off on this one. Super athletic, but he doesn't play to that. He's got a very inconsistent motor. I, I liked him a lot more in 2021 than I did in 2022. There's a reason why he is having a precipitous fall from grace. There were a lot of people I know from earlier in the year, just like Ryan Roberts, Trevor Sikama, guys at the Draft Network, they were saying Siaki Ika, early second round player. He's going to be lucky to get drafted before the fifth round, in my opinion. He's super limited because he doesn't play to that athleticism. He's Like I said, he's so hot and so cold. Um, he doesn't bring you a whole lot as a pass rusher, although he can do that. And he just gets moved off his spot. Like, for a guy as big as he is, you shouldn't be able to be moved like that. Like, you should be able to eat space, put your ass in the ground, and put, like, and drop a firm anchor. And Siaki Ika just does not do that anymore. And I don't know why. It, it blows me away for a guy that's 340 freaking pounds that he gets just thrown around like a rag doll.
2: Um, yeah, he, he doesn't use power or his athleticism gets a run. And he seems so lackadaisical when it comes to defending the run. The effort is questionable. Um, like he just doesn't read well or read the run very well. But the dude can get after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where he uses his athleticism, where he uses his speed. I mean, last year as a pass rusher, or 2021 as a pass rusher, like there was so much hype around him because of what he could do as a pass rusher as a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. Didn't carry over, kind of fell fell off a little bit, but Baylor kind of changed things up a little bit on the defensive front, which may have hurt him. That's fair. Um, So it kind of hurt there. But, I mean, it's just the thing of, like, when you want your nose tackle, run defense is the priority. Pass rush is the second aspect of it. And Siaka Ika is the complete opposite of it. Not to mention he's really heavy, carries bad weight, Mm -hmm. um, has to clean that up. But there's questions about that because they tried to do that at Baylor and had issues with that. There's just a lot of issues there with it. And I mean, there's guys I think that you could look at for the nose tackle position that you can have later that not necessarily will be better than eco would be, but just make more sense from a value standpoint um, than using a fourth or even fifth round pick on eco when you only have five picks in the first place. Yep. Um, Couple more before we get back to this, even though we have to get out of here soon. Yeah. Um, Michael Ronquillo, I hope to keep the golf cart upright quote from Sean Payton yesterday during the press conference. Thoughts? Um, I'll pass totally. this off to you. I don't know anything about the golf cart. Like, I've seen <laughs> it mentioned. I don't know what happened. I don't care. Um, so, I, I, I really don't know. I, I didn't watch cool. the press conference yesterday. I don't know what the full quote is. I don't know anything about the golf cart. Like, I'm completely in the dark here. It's
1: dumb. So Russell Wilson and Justin Simmons were, and a couple other Broncos players were out in, um, out in Littleton the other day and they were golfing and somehow they managed to flip a golf cart over into one of the sand bunkers. Now the story is that Justin Simmons was driving the cart and he was looking for his ball, not paying attention to where he was going and accidentally rolled the cart non-story it's literally like the stupidest damn thing I've ever seen. And it's just, To me, I think that this is one of those situations of everyone piling on Russell Wilson because that's who the story was about. Everyone was saying, "Oh well, Russell Wilson out here being a dumbass again." Like, like to me, no. Like, leave it alone, guys. Stuff happens. It was an accident. (laughs) He didn't get hurt. Nobody got hurt. Everyone was fine. Why is this a story?
2: And Michael, it's Lance isn't ranting at you about it. Just to be clear, we appreciate the question. He's ranting about the other people who are making this a thing. The other analysts. And, and writers and stuff like that that ha, that apparently are making it a thing. But I yeah, yeah I don't know anything yeah. about it. I, I if anything, based off of what Lancia said, I'd say it was probably just a tongue-in-cheek comment from Sean Payton about it. It, it um, really was. That, that's kind of how I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, real quick, I'm going to rattle off my last three real quick, and then I'll pass it off to you. Um, my last three positions, I have cornerback. I think Corey Trice is an excellent fit. Cover one, cover two man, cover three that the Broncos are going to be running under Vance Joseph. He is a natural fit. He's a big physical guy, and he can use it, just not consistently. And I just want to see improvement with there, which you you can improve that. Getting him around Patrick Sertan, who has the same kind of questions. I mean, like Damari Mathis and his physicality. It's just a, there's so much to work with. As for a bad fit, Caillou Blue Kelly. This is going to be a press defense. They're going to press their corners quite a bit. That's not his strength. I like him a lot better off where he can see the play and react to it. I think that mm-hmm. plays to his strengths a little bit better. So he's not a great fit there. Running back, my worst fit here is Melvin Gordon Jr. and Zach Evans out of Ole Miss. Fumble rate is, the is roof. terrible. Um, but he's the same type of runner. Like what you got out of – um, <laughs> what you got out of – Melvin Gordon as a player is the same thing you get out of um, Zach Evans. I mean, the, the slasher style. My one fit, Evan Hall. The running ability is there. He can make himself small between the tackles. He's got good vision, good enough speed. Not a serious home run hitter consistently, but he's got enough burst and everything. He can make big chunk plays. Work as a, He's willing as a pass blocker at the senior bowl drills and consistently on tape. He does a great job as a pass protector sometimes okay let me rephrase that he gives great effort as a pass protector and a lot of times there's good consistency with his success at it not every single rep though and then um edge I already mentioned was zach harrison and isaiah foskey um as my other fits so go ahead Lance. what are your last few
1: Uh, Last few that I have here. I also have some running backs for you guys. My good fit in a guy that I really like for the Broncos and because he brings a lot of versatility as a receiver. uh, Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia. He's a decent pass protector as well. Really good speed. Got some home run ability to him. Nice size. Uh, But the thing that I really liked about him is... I'm not going to compare him to Alvin Kamara, but I'm going to say that the Broncos could use him very similarly to that. Get him out in the get him out in the flats, get him out on the swing routes. He's a really good wheel route runner, good angle route runner over the middle of the field. He catches the ball really well. Um, I, I think he can work a little bit better and develop some more strength. He doesn't really finish runs the best. But, I mean, for a lightning and thunder kind of aspect, you know, you, you want to have that guy that you can put out there on third downs. He can still run the football between the tackles for you, and he's just a really good receiver. I like that fit a lot um another so for the bad fit of that uh Muhammad Ibrahim the running back I believe I got his name right uh from uh, Minnesota uh it's not that I don't like the talent I think that he can do pretty much everything that you want it's just he's 25 years old right now he's got a lot of miles on his tires and he's got injury concerns out to wazoo and with the Broncos right now already having Javante Williams they don't need another injury prone running back um at safety, I, I really like Sydney Brown from Illinois, and I think he'd be a really good pair with Justin Simmons because they can do a lot of the same things and just make that, that defensive front more versatile. Sydney Brown may not have the, the range that you need to have for a single high safety, but he can play with the double high. He can come down around the box. He's a really good tackler, and something that really stands off the, the, the tape for him is the fact that it's not really off the tape, but it, it also off the field here. He's a great leader. He gets his guys lined up. Out of the senior bowl, he was helping guys line up. He was coaching players uh, off on the side after they got done with their rep, trying to help them with their technique and everything like that. That's a guy that I really like as a good fit for the Broncos. Um, In terms of a bad fit, Brandon Joseph from Notre Dame. A lot of the same things as Sidney Brown in terms of coverage versatility and stuff like that. Great ball skills, but the dude can't tackle to save his life. He literally could not stop a running nose if he tried. He's a horrible tackler out in open space, and that's just a bad fit for what Vance Joseph likes to do with the safeties. Um, And – to finish this out here going to flip us over to the offensive line here really fast. A couple of guys that are looking tackle guard versatility, but I think that swing tackle is a big need for this team. The Broncos obviously have Garrett Bowles. They have, uh, uh, Mike McGlinchey they brought in from the San Francisco 49ers in free agency, but they lost Calvin Anderson. They lost Cam Fleming in free agency. So they need to have a guy that has some right and left tackle versatility. And to me, that guy's Warren McClendon out of Georgia. Uh, He played on the right and left side. Georgia did this really weird thing where they kind of rotated their guys through and whatnot. They'd have uh, Broderick Jones and Warren McClendon on the field. And then they switch, take Broderick Jones off for a series, put Warren McClendon at left tackle, and then they bring Broderick Jones back on and take Warren McClendon off. So he showed that ability to play in on both sides of the offensive line. So I think you got a good swing tackle versatility there. Good power, fits the scheme, decent length, um, and a, a fairly decent athlete. The bad fit for me, and the reason why I say this is because I don't think he has that left tackle versatility, uh, so he's not going to be that swing tackle for you. He's probably going to slide inside the guard with a lack of power. Wanya Morris from Oklahoma. I like the player, just don't like the fit. That pretty much rounds up yeah. what I have there.
2: Um, my one concern with Kenny McIntosh is the fumble rate. Yes. um that's, that's been a big part of my evaluation for running backs this year's fumble rates um obviously it's not make or break with the grade but after melvin gordon and the issues we had want to avoid that one out of 100 is the ideal If so that's the minimum i'm looking for it's from what i've heard it's the minimum that teams are typically looking for and kenny McIntosh is like one every 70
1: mm-hmm.
2: um wh- which is just my concern there but the rest of that i agree with for the most part um i probably flip wendy morris and Warren mcclendon personally um, I think that Morris has a little bit more to offer to work on the outside than McClendon does. Uh, both of them, I think, could do it. But And I think Morris the, – the issue with both of them is I don't think either one of them is the best scheme fit for this, for what the Broncos are doing. Uh, Michael Ronquillo comes in with a couple comments here saying, always fun talking Broncos football and the NFL draft. It is. It's absolutely We absolutely love it. We love to do it every mm-hmm. single week. This is my favorite time of year, despite yeah. being so exhausted. <laughs> and then Michael Ronquillo says, "Without Lance and Eric on scouting NFL draft pick prospects, there is no NFL draft." Hey, we appreciate Thank that. You. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great guys out there. So uh, who who's got the draft? I mean, Dan Brugler, he's one of my go to guys that I always do. Um, whenever he makes an opinion on a player, I listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't change my opinion, but if it's disagreeing, disagreeing, I may go back and check my evaluation on it too. Mike, mm-hmm. uh, guess who's the top center available available for me? It's John Michael Schmitz. I know that there are a few teams that have. Um, Joe Tipman as a top guy as well. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a bit of a difference there. Jeffrey Baker, do you guys think a trade would happen on draft night involving KJ or Cortland? I think it's entirely possible, Lance. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think that if any of those guys are going to get moved, it's probably going to be Cortland Sutton. Uh, the 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 money is the big thing here. I, I think Jerry Judy is a guy that teams are going to like. He showed that value, but I don't think the Broncos are willing to move on from him. And KJ Handler just doesn't have a market. What are you going to get for a guy that's coming off of a torn ACL and hip surgery? It's been just super inconsistent, has hamstring concerns and drop issues. Like there, you, you, you like the speed aspect. You like the ability to take the top off the field, but that's why I'm looking for Marvin Mims at the, at the wide receiver position or a guy like a Trey Palmer. You know, like those speedy guys that have good hands that are versatile that you can do a whole lot of stuff with KJ Hamler just doesn't have a market right now. And unfortunately, he's going to have to show up or shut up. And it's going to be this is I believe this is year four for him. So this is his last year in a Denver Broncos uniform. He's either going to make the team or they're going to move on from him. And I don't think they're going to get anything in return for him. Uh, As far as Cortland Sutton goes, I think you can get probably a fourth and a fifth round pick in a pairing. But I don't know if you want to do that with Tim Patrick coming off of the torn ACL. You still have to have something reliable, and Cortland, while there's some inconsistencies there, he's one of the most reliable players you have on this roster. Like, you, you can't move on from a guy like him when you don't know what you're going to get from Tim Patrick on the outside. So I, I think he's the the most likely to move, but the one that I don't think that they're going to move.
2: Um, I completely disagree with you with what you said about Jerry Judy and the Broncos not wanting to move him. I think they do. I think they just okay. want a lot for him. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to get that. Mm-hmm. So they won't move him. Um, KJ Hamler, he's dealing with his, what, torn peck, right? That he had working out? Yeah, yeah, he just so had that a torn make, pec, that you know. makes him damn near That makes him damn near impossible to trade. Uh, Cortland Sutton, that's where the value, that's where they possibly could make a move. Um, but from what I've gathered, the offer seem to be about a couple day three picks. And that is not what the Broncos are wanting. And so it sounds like that he'll end up sticking around too unless that changes. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Asendorf, Another question says, could Zach Charbonnet fall to the third round? Seems like if there's a mini run, he could be gone earlier. Before that, there was another question here, since it was about a running back as well, saying, Tyan Evans is a natural pass catcher with good speed and size. How about him? I love Zach Charbonnet. He is my number three running back in this. Unfortunately, I think he will also go in the top 50. Dude has fumbled once in his career. His fumble mm-hmm. rate is like once every 700 touches. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely insane. I don't think it's actually, I think it's more like 300, but whatever. Um he's he's quick, he's got decent enough speed, he's got he shows up well as a blocker, he's got good receiving skills. Like there's a reason why Powerful. he was the bell cow there at, at UCLA in mm-hmm. that chip Kelly scheme. As for Tyon Evans, the dude has 11 catches in his career. He has 164 total att- rushing attempts and has put the ball on the ground four times. Again, fumble rate, that's a huge issue for me. Three of those fumbles came in 2022 after he transferred from Tennessee to Louisville. Um, He's a guy who he's drawn quite a few penalties, missed a, didn't force a a large amount of missed tackles. He's a guy that maybe as an undrafted free agent, I take a look, definitely not wasting a draft pick on him. Um, He's a guy that I think maybe you can look at him and come up as a, a third round pick. And also too, I mean, he faced some tough competition and completely failed. He fell flat on his face against Suffer competition. His best game he had, I believe, was against like James Madison, um, some small school like that. That was his best game of the season, and where he picked up literally almost over one fifth of his rushing yards on the season. Um, so I- I'm not a big fan of Ty and Evans, but Zach Charbonnet, I-, I absolutely love him. I don't think he will be there though. I'm with you on that. I don't think he's going to make it there.
1: There was a, a very, very fun conversation I heard. I believe it was from Ryan Roberts at the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects uh, podcast was saying something about Zach Charbonneas because I believe he transferred. Was he at Ohio State or Michigan? It was one of those schools. Um, and they transferred to UCLA and got the opportunity to go out there. Well, he doesn't fit what UCLA is like. And I'm not saying they didn't fit their scheme or anything like that. But like when you think of. Pac-12 running backs, you don't think of 225-pound guys that are just bruisers in the running game. Like, Zach Charbonnet runs with a hell of a lot of power, and he's got good speed and good burst, too. What they were saying was, it, it's crazy to see a Big Ten running back out in the Pac-12 and just running people over. And Ryan Powell, thank you for that. He was at Michigan. That's right. But like, you don't see those guys like that out in uh, out in the Pac-12, and it, you, you could tell. You could tell bigger, more powerful back out there like that. He was running dudes over all all over uh, the tape at UCLA. So I I like him a lot. I'm with you, Eric. I think he's probably going to go in the top. I I don't know about top 50, top 60, though. He's definitely not going to make it to the Broncos. Well, I guess I shouldn't speak in absolutes here because that's never a good thing to do. But I don't envision him making it to 67 or 68.
2: Yeah, Um, I definitely agree. Now, before we get out of here, because we got started a little late, my fault, on that I have one question for you. Yeah. We won't be a seen again until Thursday night. Um I don't know if Chad has released the plans out there for everybody on the public or not um for what we're doing with the draft night, but uh we won't see you guys again until Thursday night. We I know we will be live for all three nights. Um one bold 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 prediction when it comes to the Broncos in the draft this year, what is yours?
1: Should I play into James Campbell's like heartstrings here and just tug on him a little bit and say that the Broncos are going to trade up and take Hendon Hooker? Like <laughs>
2: that, that would be bold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> be way bold. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I do envision them trading up for somebody though. Like I, I could see that, see that happening. Um And, and I don't know what they would use to do that. Maybe this is the Court- Courtland Sutton deal. You use Cortland Sutton to as like that trade piece to move on. Maybe take sixty-eight and Cortland Sutton, package those together to move into the middle of the second round um, and and target a cornerback yeah. or maybe an edge uh, an edge defender. Like
2: to the middle Julius of the second Prince, round.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking in the forties area, uh, thirty-eight oh. to forty-four, somewhere around in there. I
2: think what, you're getting. In, I don't think you're getting above fifty-five. Okay. Cornerstones well, value is not there. Like well, the, re- the right, value right, of trading right. receivers this year has been made very clear. It's mm-hmm. not there. Um, and then sixty-eight. Like, so let me rephrase that. Maybe you can get to like closer to fifty. Yeah. But in the forties, so like I don't think okay, you're breaking yeah. forty. You're
1: probably now, right. But let's say let's say that like like uh, Julius Brents, the cornerback from Kansas State, is falling. And... I'm not. sure. Tra- you
2: shouldn't trade up for a corner this year. It's such a strong class. I-
1: it is, it is, but like that's that's the kind of what I'm what I'm looking. Yeah, I, at I, I, I get it.
2: And I ask for bold. It's a bold. It's a bold prediction. Um, now, real quick, before I get mine, um, Todd asks, "What do I think about NFL Draft Buzz?" Never heard of it. Um, no idea about it. Um, so I I don't know. Like I just I've never heard of it before. Is
1: is that the website, Todd? I I think I know what you're talking about. NFLDraftBuzz.com. I I think. I think that's what that is. No. Get back to us
2: really fast. Go ahead. I'm going to go the complete opposite of you. I don't see the Broncos trading up from the 3rd round. I think if they trade up, I could see them trading up out of from the 6th round or the 5th round or something like that. I could see that. I don't think I don't think they have the ammo to move up from the 3rd round into that 2nd round. I don't think they do. And I don't think they will I don't and I think they know that. Um my thing is is I think they trade down in the uh, trade down in the third round at least two times, maybe three. While keeping one of 67 or 68, most likely 67. As in they trade down from 68 to like 72 or 73 something like that, somewhere in the or between 78 and 75, get a get another day 3 pick or two and that trade down again, you know, about 10 picks or so, get an extra pick and then make one more trade stay in the top 100. And then get an extra pick and kind of restock that pile up. So then later on, as I mentioned earlier, just a couple seconds ago, then trade up with that fifth or sixth round pick and packing those up. Maybe even that fourth round pick, getting a little bit higher or getting back into the end of the third round, mm-hmm. doing something like that. Um well, right. That, that that's that's my bold prediction. I think they move. I think they find a way to move around the board a good amount with this, even with five picks, mm-hmm. and that they still walk away making at least seven draft picks.
1: I could definitely see that. It's bold for sure. I guess my one question to you is: Do you think they trade both sixty-seven and sixty-eight, or did no. they just trade one of those no. picks?
2: Just one of those. That's what I said. It's like while keeping two or two or three moves in the third round, while keeping one of sixty-seven or sixty-eight.
1: Oh, I, I missed that part of it. I'm sorry. I was well, uh, it's like, it's reading. 67. Yeah, I, I would rather keep sixty-seven. That's the guy that you've you know you've identified and go get him. Um, Todd jumps in and says yes, it's a draft prospect website that shows analysis. I've seen it before. Been there just to kind of draw some names um, and get kind of an idea of what the class is. Some of their their ratings are wonky, but they they do a good job of keeping um, like the all the statistics and stuff like that. Eric, if you get an opportunity, you might check it out and just see what you think. Um, I I much rather use Lant Zierline, Dane Brugler, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, guys like that. Uh, the Draft Network. I'm friends with a lot of those guys over there at the Draft Network, so um, I, I like to go to those for the majority of the stuff that I need. Um, but the NFLDraftPlus.com, it, it's all right it's at least another good resource it's better than walter football
2: <laughs> so yeah real quick last question here since we're going with this keith rugman asks who do other teams get that we pass on by trading down three times um uh, that's a good question and it could just be like maybe the board doesn't fall the way at, at 67 and 68 and while the broncos still want a corner none of the corners they have fits Fits their scheme, is on their board, whatever the case may be, but another team has them on. Someone like, um, let's say here, uh, Caillou Blue Kelly. Maybe he's on the board at 68, and some team really wants him because he fits what they do. They're, they play a lot of off-zone coverage. Caillou Blue Kelly, he's a good fit for that, but that's not what the Broncos do. It's situations like that. Um, maybe a maybe Blake Freeland, a guy who I view as a good scheme fit for an outside zone, heavy outside zone scheme, Maybe he's there on the board and some team wants to get up on him because after him, in my opinion, there's not much left in the tackle room. But for the Broncos who are going more power gap, he's not a great fit for him. So so maybe that's another thing. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely options. And the thing of every team only has maybe about 100 to 150 players on their board. A lot of them are off because they don't fit the scheme, because of character issues, because of medicals. Whatever the case is, they're not on the board. But just because one team mm-hmm. doesn't have them on the board doesn't mean another team does. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things about that. Um, base case comes in with, who is your oh-no burrito picks at 67-68? Um, Hendon Hooker, going back to James Campbell. I had this whole conversation with him privately. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think James I think Hendon Hooker will be gone by then. Um, I don't really know. Like, honestly, like, with the names that have been linked to the Broncos, went those oh, in that range. One. None of them stand out as a oh no pick for me. The the one and I
1: I watched this tape again today and I'm not just I'm so unimpressed with how raw he is and the inconsistency with his hand placement and his motor and stuff like that. It, Gervin Dexter from Florida, I like I'm just not a fan of his at all. Like I will first reach this slow, computer and I will slappy. I'm I'm not a fan, man. I'm just not a fan. Man, I
2: I, I love I love like long defensive linemen, six foot uh-huh. six. Like, oh yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's give me that all day. I'll I'll work on his how he's five seconds late off the snap. I'll I'll work on that stuff. Like it's one of those things. Like give me the traits on the yeah. defensive one, mm-hmm. and he's got mm-hmm. those traits. Anyways, oh, guys, we gotta get we gotta get out of here. We are past the mark where we're supposed to be. Sorry again for getting so late. Uh, getting up. started so late. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and Lance will sit here and send us off and everything. And I can't wait till the draft. And I hope to see you guys in the draft room Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday. And Saturday will be a long one. Hope to see you guys there start to finish.
1: Yeah, yeah. Todd, jumping in at the at the buzzer here. Thanks for the show and the analysis, guys. With the two dollars super chat, thank you, Todd, and thank you for all your questions, man. It helped us drive through this show and get us a little bit more content. You brought up some interesting names, some guys that I hadn't really got a chance to hear from. So to hear Eric's analysis is just awesome, man. Um, Keith, I will get at you in the DMs. Keith Brugman, uh, your thoughts on DeMarvy and Overshown? Love that dude. Anyways, guys, gotta get out of here. We're running late. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S S_- underscore for MHH, for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account where you guys get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. All of our scouting reports are on there as well as they are at MileHighHuddle.com. Great way to just show some, show some support. Excuse me. Uh, if you guys... Uh, aren't financially able to do so and, and support the show with Super Chats or go to the merch store or whatever that may be, subscribe wherever you guys are watching this, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, doesn't matter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Like, give a five-star rating, and if you love it, please share it and get it in front of as many uh, Broncos fans as possible because without you guys' support, we couldn't do what we do best. And with that, guys, um, Eric, you already got your last words. I'm going to say goodnight to everybody. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your uh, weekend, and as always, go Broncos. We'll
0: see you guys next week. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by TJ Ward at the four yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media.